Chakshon Milita Nyena, Tasmai Shri, Gurave Namaha, Vanchakopatu Bishcha, Kripas in the Bivacha, Petita Nam Bamanevio, Vaishnavijanamo Namaha. So, continuing with our discussion of Madhurya Kadamadi, we're now into the second cloud bank of the nectar of Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's elaboration on devotional practice, progressive devotional practice. Entering into this second cloud bank, we're now getting specific as to the nature of the unfoldment of bhakti in uh, Sadaka's life, how that actually happens, what's, what's transpiring. Because it's, it's not like anything that uh, we have experience of. It's nothing that's going to be uh, perceived externally, although it's observed to some extent. And there's an interesting verse that we may make it to this evening where Vishwanath touches upon this, that it's, it's the advanced devotee can see how the sadhik is making progress and the enfoldment of these first two leaves on the devotional creeper is, it's not fixed. It varies according to the nature of the sadhika. But first and foremost, he distinguishes the fact that there is an inner and an outer portion of these first two leaves on the bhakti creeper, uh, kleshagna and subhada. Uh, kleshagna is a, a relief from ignorance and from sinful reaction. And uh, Subhada is the manifestation of all the spiritual qualities in the heart of the devotee as he begins his devotional practice. So the Lord has unlimited devotional qualities, and those qualities come into the heart of the devotee as his senses are purified. His senses actually become transcendental. Uh, so much so that once a sadhika goes to the next stage of devotional service in ecstasy, sadhana bhakti, devotional service in practice, then devotional service in ecstasy, then devotional service in pure love of God. During the middle stage of this process of purifying the self in bhakti yoga, the material body of the bhava bhakti, someone that's in bhava, is at that stage itself fully transcendental, no longer material. So that's touched upon uh, by the acharyas in our line. Let's try to get into an understanding of what actually is Kleshagna and Subhada. First, what is the seed? Brahmanda, Brahmati, Konya, Bhagyavan, Jiva. Guru Krishna, Prasadi, Paya, Bhakti, Lada, Bij. The living entity is tra- traveling within the material universe since time immemorial. Sometimes in a godlike form, sometimes in a human form, sometimes in an animal form. And that's going on perpetually, eternally. A naughty, you can't trace out its beginning. There's not a time where we can say we weren't within. It's the nature of the uh, 
of the jivatma, the jiva. He is uh, eternally conditioned or eternally liberated. And since we're here and we're not in full ecstatic emotion at every moment, we can assume that we've been here a long, long time. So, Brahmanda Brahmeti Konya Bhagyavan Jiva. As this Jiva is transmigrating eternally without a trace of its beginning and without a hope of its end, hope comes. And that hope is unconditional hope. It comes in the form of bhakti, guru, krishna, <clears throat> prasada, paya, bhakti, lata, beach. Guru, krishna. By the grace of the guru and krishna, one gets this seed of bhakti. And then, this unlimited unfoldment of repeated birth and death comes to an end that unlimited good fortune bestowed upon someone who comes into contact with Krishna's pure devotee. Without any anything that the jiva did on the material plane playing into that good fortune. It's that good fortune is coming unrestrictedly from Krishna's devotees. And where they are, then there is the possibility that we can have this good fortune. But there has to be some some little bit of lack of hatred and animosity in order for the sadhu to see some prospect that he can bestow bhakti. So if someone's inimical, to the Lord, someone's hateful towards the devotees, you won't see that the the Madhyamadakari is is very much inclined to to hand out good fortune. But there's always exceptions to the rules. Uh, we know of the Jagai and Madai, and really there was no if we really go deeply into the character of Jagai and Madai, we do not find any good character. Nothing. There is nothing there that would give them a prospect of entering into bhakti. They were hateful. They didn't believe in God. They were hateful towards the devotees. When they heard Kirtan, they, they immediately came because they were very powerful demons to put an end to it, breaking the Madangas, uh, scattering the devotees, threatening them. If you come back here with your chanting again, we will, we will dispatch you up to the point of actually attacking Lord Nityananda. So what kind of good character was there? But still, the mercy of an extremely powerful devotee or the Lord himself coming as a devotee, like Lord Nityananda, amazing things can happen. So even the most fallen can be welcomed by such a devotee into the, into the Sangha, into the association of the devotees. Even the butcher, he's welcome in this Sangha. We, we don't discriminate in that way. 
spot he can't he can't create a disturbance can't bring his butchering tools and his animals and perform his dharma here Ramanda, Rameti, Konya, Bhagyavan's Jiva, this continual transmigration, Guru Krishna Prasadibaya, Bhakti Lata Bij. The Bhakti Lata is there. What is that Bhakti Lata? It is the inspiration, the aspiration to yourself take to the path. And what plants that seed? You see someone engaged in the path. You see the qualities, you, you experience the character and the unfoldment of, of bhakti coming from the heart of the pure devotee. So you see that and you, you have some aspiration. That aspiration, that inclination, that is the seed. That is the bhakti lata. That brings us to the stage of engaging in the process. And that seed requires nourishment in order to grow properly. And as it grows, uh, with some little faith in, in the fact that, well, this is an amazing, amazing prospect that's being offered to me. Now is there the possibility that, that, my, that I can engage and also attain such a magnanimous position as service to the Supreme? The seeds planted, watered by the hearing and chanting process, watered by the association of devotees, watered primarily by the watering part of the guru who is anxious to, to uplift uh, the disciple. And uh, the creeper begins to grow. And we have these first two leaves, Klaishagna and Subhada. If there is some true rog, some true taste there for just serving the Lord, that is compared to the inner surface of these leaves. Very soft, very very gentle. That's the analogy being given here by Vishwadha Chakravarti. And the outside is, well, you really don't want to continue to suffer. And you want to enjoy, and spiritual life gives you spiritual bliss, as I said last class, somewhat like a carrot and a stick. And that's the outer, that's the vitae, outer side of the leaf. Uh, somewhat rough. What is the characteristics, what are we exactly speaking about when we talk about Kleshagna? What is this? process, what is the diminishing of material attachment that comes from bhakti? And also, a little bit of a discussion of what is the, what is the difference between how bhakti purifies the jivatma of this kleshagna in, in two basic forms, and how the other processes of spirituality, specifically karma, jnana, and yoga, don't really dispatch Kleshagna entirely. 
So the Klesias, the Klesias are of five types. Avidya, ignorance, vidya is knowledge, avidya means the opposite. Ignorance, asmita, raga, dvesa, and abhinivesa. Ignorance, we have some grasp of that, that means not knowing things as they are. These are the five kleshas. Now, avidya leads the pack, and the other four follow behind, because when, you have, when you're ignorant, then all kinds of misconceptions come. So avidya is that ignorance, followed by asmita. What is that main ignorance for the living entity? The main li- ignorance is, I am this material existence. This is, this is what I am. And I associate with that. And that associating is asmita. Asmita means, is really, the ignorance is, I think I'm the material body. That's a vidya. And everything related to the body, all of my talents, all of my wealth, all of my family, everything that comes with the package of of ignorance related to material existence that I associate with. Asmita is what we refer to as false ego. False ego is associating with the senses of the body as the self. Now the example given here is to think the power of sight and the power of seeing is the same. What does that mean? But somebody in knowledge knows that. The power of sight which is coming through the vehicle of the material body is not the same as seeing. The seeing is coming from the self. The self is using the senses of the body to perceive material existence. It's a very subtle thing, but that is the nature of false ego. We, very, we, we come into material existence and we have a very subtle connection first, and then that, from that subtle connection, then the gross connection follows. So to consider the power of seeing, which is coming through the vehicle, and the seeing itself to be the same, that's, that is asmita. That is the, the foundation upon which the, the ego becomes the materialistic ego and begins the process of seeing I and mine, everything in relationship to me. Subtle point. Avidya, Asmita. The third is Raga. Raga is just a desire, desire to enjoy and to avoid suffering. And that that is a, a passion. It is a passion that comes with the material body. You passionately want to see beautiful things, hear beautiful sounds, smell gorgeous bouquets, taste the most succulent of foods, and feel. So these senses, controlled by the mind, wish to exploit the material energy 
in a very, very pronounced way. That lust, that that is raga. Avidya, asmita, thinking that I can, that I am the senses, right? Thinking I am the senses and then really going for it. Wanting to, wanting to exploit the senses and enjoy. That's raga. And we, don't, we want to enjoy the good things and we don't really, when it comes to enjoying the sense of smell, we don't go to the outhouse. We go to a flower garden. The raga, there's some distinguishing there. By the jivatma. Dwesa is aversion to distress and its causes. Raga is the attachment to the enjoyment and Dwesa means a hatred of the opposite of that enjoyment. We want to enjoy, but we don't want, we don't want to suffer. So Raga, I want to enjoy. Dwesa, I want to avoid suffering. And ultimately, I want to I do not want to be separated from this. So this is the fifth item. Abhinivesha. I do not want to be ripped out of this environment. I don't want to die. These are the five items that follow ignorance. These are the kleshas. Five things. So, kleshagna deals with, when the devotee takes to devotional service, these kleshas are dissipated. The ignorance is removed. The attachment to to the conception that I am the senses is diminished when we start to see our true spiritual self. The lust to enjoy through the senses is diminished as one is enlivened to serve with those same senses. And those senses become spiritualized. How do they come, become spiritualized? It's compared, just like putting an iron, a rod of iron into a hot fire, it becomes like fire. The senses of a devotee in contact with the Lord through service. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smarnam, Padasavanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasham, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. These Principal angas of bhakti transform the material senses. They spiritualize them to the point that when that iron rod is completely hot, we can't distinguish it from fire. It has the exact same effect. Take it out into the forest and put it on the leaves and the whole forest becomes ablaze. Take an iron rod out into the forest put it on the leaves, nothing happens. So the senses are spiritualized. They are now acting with the force of the spiritual of spiritual energy, of transcendence in the service of the Lord. So much so, as we said at the very beginning, that when one comes to the stage of bhava bhakti, before entering into prema, even at the stage of bhava, the material body has 
there's no no material body left. We do not see the guru as having a material body. In the beginning, we say, well, we have somewhat of a material body. It depends. It's gradually becoming spiritualized. But amazingly enough, when Krishna sees someone take shelter of the guru, immediately upon initiation, Krishna's seeing he has a spiritual body now. Well, Krishna's got the best sight around. So that's, that's the vision of the transcendentalist, what to speak. When Krishna sees a devotee has a spiritual body at the time of initiation, we also need to develop, we need to accept that, at least intellectually. He's now Krishna's. Kleshas, five, ignorance in the forefront, followed by the four others, relative to the false ego, lust, aversion, and not wanting to give it up. Five clashes. Now let's talk about sin. So we have sin. Good sin and bad sin. Well, it's all bad. But there's reactions that are good from our good activities and there's reactions that are bad. Now how do those work? Well, those are, are distinguished into four basic categories. The first one, parabda. Here it is. This is a manifestation. Well, now, let's hope it has a little bit of bhakti in it. But this body is a manifestation of my parabda karma. I'm born, I have a white body, I was born in this society. I have a set of talents, a set of characteristics that are coming as a result of my prior activities. The prior activities gave me, due to my prior activities, a man and a woman got together and in their union I was given a body and that coming out of the womb the characteristics are coming. And it's amazing how it works if you think, you know, you've, we've all seen the little pictures, especially with the, the huge campaign against abortion. You know, we see, well, here's a little seed and it's growing and it's growing and from nothing, from the secretions of the man and the woman, here is here, here from a nothingness, all of a sudden there's the small baby and then the baby is grown and, and now, you know, going throughout life, that is parabda, the manifestation of karma in the jiva's life that those influences from his past piety and lack thereof, sinful life, is what is referred to as parabda. It's manifest. The manifest karma, parabda. We call it sinful life because the sadhu, he doesn't see any good in the material world. It's all bad. You could say, well, hey, I was born in a good family. I, I got an inheritance at 21. I was a multimillionaire. Yeah, the sadhu will say, so what? Do you have Krishna? No. Well, then you have nothing. Your whole material existence is a waste. You might as well be a tree. I mean, that's the way. If you don't have bhakti, if you don't have Krishna, it doesn't matter. This material existence is completely worthless for the living entity. 
because whatever you have will be taken away and whatever you don't have will be given to you later. It just comes and goes. Sometimes you're up, sometimes down. It's, it's a continual cycle. It doesn't matter. So therefore, that, to them, it's sin. It's all sin. So that's why when we say, the, the materialist would say, well, come on. I was born as a, as a Mozart or a Beethoven. I was born as a, a great actor, a, you know, a, a Brad Pitt. Tom Hanks. I was. I mean, look at all the talents I have, or a Madonna, or a Rolling Stone, or a Beetle. My gosh, that's good. That's good. That is good sin. Yeah, sin. Good, come and gone, worthless, of no value to us. No enduring value. If it has no enduring value, then what value is it at all? Parabda. Parabda manifest. A parabda. Unmanifest, exactly the opposite. Vidya knowledge, avidya ignorance. Aparabdha, unmanifest. That conglomerate of all the reactions that are there within material existence. Aparabdha. It is unlimited. The unmanifest reactions within the material world, there is an unlimited resource of them. That is called aparabdha. Parabdha manifest. Aparabdha unmanifest. Not taking a form yet. Two others. Ruda or kuta. Subtle sins. Basically, before those aparabdha conglomerate takes a shape that's called kuta. Here it said, they can also be considered as the aggregate of aparabdha fruit. They can fructify. And bija means we have a specific desire for a fruit of material existence in us. But we do not currently have the capacity due to the circumstances of our current material situation to enjoy that. I really want to be Brad Pitt. Really? <laughs> yeah, like that's going to happen. Okay? So that's what we're talking A seed. I want it. I really, really want to be as rich as Billy Gates. I really want to be the President of the United States. No. But, and you see what I'm saying? You have that desire, but the capacity just, it's not going to, it's not there. But the, that desire is so strong that it, it forms a seed within us that we, that we want it. And maybe our parabda karma, our circumstances of our current situation won't let it manifest in this life. Well, hey, it's it just keeps going. So, there's a seed there. And, and there's the possibility in the next life we can pursue that further. It can become more and more solidified just like that, that, that living entity in the womb of the mother. Now there's a little spirit you know, a sprout of an arm and a leg, and a head starts to form, and these are the, these are how seeds come and form plants. 
So this is, this is what that seed is. It's the living entity is having a desire to enjoy in a particular way. His parabda is not giving him the facility and therefore it's carried forward. Now it's interesting what the commentator says here. He mentions the fact that this formation of seeds is only there for the, in the human form of life. That the demigods and the animals, whenever they have a desire, there's a, a fulfillment of that desire. The animals, because why? Well, their desires are definitely in relationship. They can't desire more than they... The human form is the only form we can have where we can desire more than we have the facility to enjoy. Does that make sense? We can desire things that we can't, we can't acquire. The animals, they desire what they can get. They desire according to their environment and they go and get it. So they're, they're fulfilled. The demigods, they have all mystic opulences. So whatever they want, they can manifest and they can enjoy. They don't have to wait. For the animals and the demigods, there is not this seedling. There's not this unfulfilled desires. It's interesting. But then again, when you read of the demigods, you say, well, they wanted this and that. But we have to take it that there is truly, to be in a position like that, you know, the controllers of the universe, they get what they want, is, is what they're saying. Human being, yeah, we have so many desires. We want so much, and we just can't get it all. So it sits with us, and then we are forced to take another body. And if we're extremely pious, eventually we will build up, we get some piety, we go to the heavenly planets, and we can enjoy like anything. Whatever we want, all those things, can, we, can, we, can, we can have them. Kleshagna is the dissipation of these kleshas and these sins. Parabda, aparabda, ruda, or kuta, more, more commonly. We've seen kuta and bija, the seeds. These two items constitute kleshagna, the one leaf. Now let's talk of the other leaf, subada, auspiciousness. Auspiciousness comes to the devotee. Kleshas are dissipated, and they're dissipated for the devotee thoroughly without the endeavor for purity that's required by the jnani and the yogi and the karmi. They, it's very difficult, well, it's, it's impossible without a touch of bhakti for them to even have this kind of a dissipation of the kleshas and the eradication of the sins that is afforded by pure devotional service. Pure devotional service is so powerful that these are coming automatically at the stage of sadhana bhakti. First two things. First two leaves on the creeper. Sadhana, sadhana, up to the stage. The, the stage of what? The next stage. Devotional service and ecstasy. So much so that the material desires have completely dissipated by the stage of devotional service in ecstasy. 
So if you're in ecstasy, there's no there's no desire. So what are the characteristics that are coming? What do we mean when we talk about subada? What is this? What is this coming? Let us simply go to Lord Shaitanya's definition of of the characteristics of subada, as given in the Chaitanya Charitamrita when he was speaking with Sanatan Goswami. So this is from the Madhyalila 22nd chapter, verses 77 through 80. Sri Chaitanya talking with Sanatan Goswami. All these transcendental qualities are the characteristics of pure Vaishnavas. They cannot be fully described. This is subhada. This is true auspiciousness. And you'll see in here, you're not going to see a great accumulation of wealth, a great, you know, you're going to see these, this is what is coming to the devotee. And this is what is a truly auspicious existence. So I am just giving a general view of some of the important qualities because I can't really tell you all these great qualities that develop in my devotees. But let me give you just a, just a hint. The devotees are merciful, not defiant, truthful, equal to all, faultless, magnanimous, soft-hearted, clean, without any material possessions, doing welfare for all, peaceful, exclusively surrendered to Krishna, desireless, indifferent to material acquisitions, steady, completely controlled, free of the six bad qualities, lust, anger, and so so forth, lust, anger, greed, madness, illusion, and envy. They only eat as much as required, They're not inebriated, they're respectful, modest, grave, compassionate, friendly, poetic, expert, and silent. And if you want to study them in detail, uh, there is a book, The 26 Qualities of the Devotee, by my godbrother Sasarupa Das Goswami, in English. I think the, the real characteristic of what Sri Chaitanya is relaying to Sanatan Goswami here is they're uncountable. Maybe we, maybe we say there's 26 primary characteristics of the pure Vaishnav. So now we've seen in this overview what is Kleshagna and what is Subhada. What is this retirement and what are these great qualities that are coming at this stage of Sadhana Bhakti. And you may say, well, uh, wow, this is, this is amazing, but I'm seeing and I'm trying, but... I'm not experiencing, so this is addressed <clears throat> somewhat uh, here by uh, Vishwanath. Devotion, realization of the Lord and detachment to the objects other than the Lord, all these three symptoms simultaneously appear in the devotee. They simultaneously appear. And with an analogy. What's that analogy? The analogy is what is experienced when a man who's extremely hungry, hungry sits down when he eats. Three things are happening. First, his hunger is dissipated. He's enjoying the fact that he's eating and he's nourished. So you could, can you say, 
Well, this bite was for enjoyment. This bite was for nourishment, and and uh, this this bite was to to dissipate uh, my hunger. No, we can't distinguish. So it's it's hard to distinguish how these are are coming in us, these qualities, and how the sinful reactions and the clashes based on ignorance are dissipating. But they are as we engage in the process. So that's the point being made. This verse confirms the simultaneous appearance of the two leaves, Kleshagni and Subhada, on the vine of devotion as described previously. Although the two leaves appear simultaneously, there is a difference in the process of subtle destruction of distress and appearance of auspiciousness. There's a difference. One's things are going away and one's things are coming to the devotee. This difference is due to the appearance of greater or lesser qualities of the two symptoms. Interesting point. We may see one devotee, he becomes, as he engages, the first thing we notice is he gives up all his bad habits. Another devotee, we may notice he, he still has some bad habits, but boy, he is so kind to everybody. And another devotee, well, he's just so full of, I've never seen anybody, he's, he's here, and when he when he when he does his worship when he leads a kirtan it's amazing you, i can feel the spiritual energy that's coming but he's still you know there's this so you can see what vishwanath is presenting here it's not uniform it it can come it comes differently and that's okay. Not everybody's going to manifest subhada, the, the good qualities, all at once. In the same way. They're coming from different natures. They have different samskaras, different impressions. What we say, some people may come with a, with a knapsack and another person may come with, with a line of tractor trailers when it comes to good qualities and bad qualities. But all these things, when it comes to devotional qualities, they become transcendental. They become spiritualized. All this auspiciousness comes and the, the character, the spiritual character of the living entity begins to manifest and the, and the, and the sinful reactions and the misconceptions caused by ignorance dissipate. Being very subtle, it is difficult to see, but learned scholars have ascertained this fact by observing the process of the appearance, appearance of these two qualities. The more advanced devotees, they, they, can, they can perceive how this is, this is happening. They have a little better, finer discrimination than we may have in the beginning. So the author is pointing that out. The sadhus, they, they have an ability to perceive this a little better than we do. Mm-hmm. 
So, next class, we will begin where it begins. Now, Vishwanath is going to go through this progressive devotional practice, beginning with faith. He's going to explain faith. He's going to explain how that faith is nurtured and what is its characteristics in relationship to pure devotional service. There's faith has to be there for anything, but how does it manifest in the sadhika's life when it comes to his devotional practice? So we'll begin there next time. Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.